You know, guys, guys like like that are, are are they're fun to be around, and they bring others together and they lift other people up, and they're they're tremendously important uh, to to having winning programs. Mm-hmm. And then I think there's a extreme value in people that can raise the level of a room. Up Basketball is proud to bring you Mental Buckets, a show about athletes, the stories behind their careers, and the mental toughness needed to get to the next level. This podcast is sponsored by Up Basketball. Through basketball, we strive to develop hardworking and mentally tough individuals who understand their potential is unlimited. Check out our website at www.upbtraining.com for more information on our basketball skills training program. And I'm Packy Turner, player development coach and co-founder of Up Basketball. And I'm Mike Franco, the mental skills coach with the Dallas Mavericks and Texas Legends. Our guest today is Don Kalkstein. He goes by DK, and he's my current manager and director of sports psychology with the Dallas Mavericks. In my opinion, I really believe DK is one of the recent pioneers of the sports psychology industry, and he's provided a model on how teams and organizations can really utilize the position. And he's got a huge baseball and basketball background. He's been working in professional sports for over 20 years. And Packy, I know this was your first time talking to him, and I'm sure you got a lot of the stories he shared with us. He's a wealth of knowledge. It was really cool to actually get to speak with him. And, uh, you know, I've heard a lot about him from you. And, you know, anybody who gets Mark Cuban to come out and say that his biggest regret was letting you go and then he rehires you, you know, you're doing something right. So we're excited to have him on. We're thankful that he came on and spoke about, you know, common characteristics among winning teams and players and how to maximize your skill set and talent and really the importance of accepting your role. Ton of value here for everybody. You know, really just getting started is, I think this is the one of the bigger questions, especially in sports. Not a lot of people know the answers to this, but what exactly is mental skills training to you? Damn, that's a, that is a good question. I think <laughs> I, I, I think that I think the ter- the term mental skills training often pops so many question marks in people's minds, and I all at times it often gives it a almost a negative connotation because they associate mental with negative issues. If if maybe we would have started it out back in the day with something simple like mind tools or or mind techniques or things of that nature i think it it, it might have got a different connotation but but for me it's really talking about different ways to utilize and enhance the way you think and how you feel to perform optimally but yet consistently so when i look at an athlete or an athlete comes to me and they talk about, you know, what are mental skills or what, what do you see mental skills as? I I then just try to ask them, well, in what areas are you trying to get better at? And then I think they start to lead me into how we can look at some management tools, some techniques for those particular areas. If I'm hearing you right, it's where it's a resource and another tool an athlete can have to put in their tool bag, you know, skill, physical, and then this is the mental component. I just think when you're trying to enhance performance, you want to you want to take a look at all the different areas of mental, 
emotional, physical, nutritional, how whatever they fall into, and and give the athlete some techniques or skills a skill set for them to utilize. But I I, I don't have that answer of what of what mental skills should be, but. To me, that's kind of what it is in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. And, and the Mavericks have been really proactive with it. I mean, you've been with them for two separate stints. But let's back up the truck even more. Is How did you really get okay. started in pursuing sports psychology? So um, graduating um, out of grad school, I took a job as a coach because that's really what my passion is, is coaching. Mm-hmm. And um, I took took a job as a baseball coach and was teaching at the same time, but w- wanted to find a way to utilize what I learned in theory and put it into application. And to me, it was my own little scientific experiment, really. They talked about in school, here's some things that you're supposed to do. And then when I tried them, there, I was thinking to myself, no, it doesn't work this way. Pe- people don't react this way. Um, and so... I spent eight or nine years coaching and, and, and refining how I would deliver a quote mental skills program um, and worked in professional baseball as a scout, was a uh, part-time scout for a couple different teams. And um, the, our director of scouting for the uh, Houston Astros, where I was working at the time, got the job as the assistant GM for the Texas Rangers and called me and said, look, I know your background. Uh, do you have any interest in getting involved in starting a sports psychology or a mental skills program? I forgot what we I think we called it peak performance at the time. Mm. Uh, would, you, would you have any interest in doing that? And, um, you know, just dropped trawl and said, absolutely. And, and, and took, took so many steps backwards, though, to get into professional <laughs> sports. Oh my gosh. As I look back at, yeah, seriously, it was a financial disaster at the time. Um, because for a couple things, like at the time when I started in 1995, Har- uh, Harvey Dorfman and Charlie Marr were the only ones working part-time in whole in the, all of Major League Baseball. And so, you know, they brought me in and, and, and really that was that up battle of geez what what's this all going to look like but yeah that's how i got my start in professional sports i really got super lucky knew somebody uh, they were starting a program at the professional level they knew me and they're like dude you want to give it a shot and so for like twenty nine thousand dollars a year and i'm not kidding you i went to go work for the texas rangers uh to to do this or 30 maybe it's thirty thousand somewhere in that area there yeah wow so so you go in and well, hey, you still made it out the other side, right? You've been with the Rangers probably the longest of any of the organizations. Yeah. Um, so thirty years or twenty nine years in baseball, and all of them but twelve. I did the twelve years with the Red Sox, so whatever that ends up to be, seventeen something of that nature. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so from that time, how have oh, go ahead, DK. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, just from that time, how have you seen mental skills training grow? Well, it's now in, it's acceptable. It's, it's a big part of a lot of the, I think all but, all but two teams have a full-time person at the major league level, but, Mm -hmm. um, all, all pretty much every team has somebody at the minor league level. And in some organizations who have really done a phenomenal job in growing the peak performance, mental skills, I'm just going to call it 
sports psychology, just for definition. Um, some, some teams have six people, which is phenomenal. Yeah. So uh-huh. yeah, you know, people are accepting it. People are, are seeing a part of it. And, you know, we're starting to see now more, it's trickling down. It's in the colleges, it's trickling down into the, into the junior colleges, into some high schools. And so I think kids are now growing up with it being more acceptable, more something that they understand as a useful tool instead of something where they saw as, oh, there's nothing wrong with me. So, you know, we're, we're, we're gaining ground. We have a, an affiliation, which I've been a member of, founding member of for, geez, I think it's been 10 years now. And, um, and so, yeah, it's, it's something that you and I, you, you know, I've, I've tried to get it started in the NBA several times. Yeah. Uh, uh, and they're there. The people are there. We just, it's hard to rope everybody together. Yeah, and we're we're catching the NBA is catching up. DK, how has it changed with with athletes, um, like back then versus now? Is there a different reception level with them? Um, was it harder to get guys into? Like, where where is it at with athletes from then and now? When you started, and great, now? yeah, great question. I I think when I first started, it it I felt like a salesman all the time that I was uh, continually trying to give them a product that they really didn't want because of the, the idea in their minds where the labeling was given, you know, Hey, you're, and I'm not, but you know, you're a shrink or you're a psychologist or, Hey, there's nothing wrong with me. And so they, they often looked at it as, man, if I spent some time talking with this guy, other players on the team are going to think something's wrong with me, or I've got issues. Um, and, and so I had to change gears. Um, and learn to really have them come to me more. But I think through the years, because they've understood the necessity for it, because I think the the salaries have skyrocketed, that now athletes are more ready and willing to do whatever it takes to extend their, to extend their careers. And, um, my, my mental skills training has has been a big component of it. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And and I think another thing you know that you've you've kind of touched on, which is a common theme in some of the interviews we've also had. And it's not only the communication piece, but but part of that is finding your footing through routine and consistency. And you've seen a lot of athletes in multiple sports. And can you talk about the importance of having routine and some type of consistency on your day to day? Well, for me, the the routine and the consistency should should be almost like a safety net or a parachute. It 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 it'll build in some sort of work that that gives me a sense of accomplishment and it gives me a sense of an or an ability. But I I, I want I try to help educate them as that being part of a step for development. And then, like I said, your ability to check that box off because you're not going to perform at a high level all the time. And one of the things we don't want to do is look back and go, well, have we been training the right way? Have we been working the right way? Are we putting the time? We, we, we want to eliminate that because that, that needs to rem- remain as a consistent. Um, and I think players have difficulty with that. I, I, in my experience, when players are performing well, um, often that that kind of diminishes um and when they're performing poorly it's now okay i got to get back in the gym one of the things that drives me nuts 
I got to get back in the cage. I got to get back in the gym. And my question to them all the time is, well, wh well, why did you leave? Why did you stop? What were the reasons that made you think, hey, I'm going good. Maybe I should stop working this way. That, that to me is the most baffling thing uh, of all, right? If I woke up every day and walked out of my house and somebody dropped a thousand dollar bag on my driveway, would I stop walking out of my house? <laughs> or what, 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 you know, or would I just go out a different door? No, I know I would continue on and, and milk this for, for forever. But I think human nature makes us feel comfortable uh, and cocky and complacent where we stop doing that work uh, because we feel so good. Um, and we think we're going to ride that wave out. And we all know something about waves. They always die down. DK, I've got a question about like a you're you're a big part of the process and and interviewing the guys as they're coming in. You and Mike both. And one thing that's always interesting to me is what are some of the the qualities in these interview forms that you look for that are that build up of of winners of championship caliber players like Jalen Brunson, for example. He won, right? Like he he was a winner at that level. Um, Maybe not him, but what are qualities that you f you find in guys that you think will help translate to wins at the next level, from a mentality standpoint? Yeah, such a great question, I, and and I think um, if 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 I had that answer, Pecky, you and I wouldn't be talking. I don't <laughs> I don't an island somewhere, and I I honestly would just be relaxing. I I, I think what's important is, and 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 in Chicago we only have approximately 30 minutes to chat with them. When they come to Dallas, where Mike and I get an opportunity to talk with them, it's probably a little less than that, I would say. Um, but I, I, I rely heavily on um, what people have seen them do behaviorally. Um, and, and if I don't get an opportunity, I want to try to get the athlete to talk about uh, what, what are winning characteristics, what are leading characteristics, um, and, and see if they know what those are and then maybe give me examples of what those are and, and what they did. Um, because it's, if, if we sit and ask the yes and no questions, those are a piece of cake. And yeah. I, can tr I can sit down and I could coach an athlete um, to get ready for these interviews. That's the, Mike and I both know that that's a piece of cake. I could get these people through those. Um, but when I'm sitting there with the athlete and he's describing a story to me, he doesn't know when I'm going to change the story. So that's a tough thing to coach at the Dallas Mavericks. We're looking at, you know, quality people. We're looking at really good people. We're looking at, we're looking for characteristics that are, that are, they're healthy people. And, and that in five or 10 years, you know, we, we're going to say we're, we were proud that they were a Dallas Maverick. I guess the, to build off that, my question would be, you know, what are those common qualities that you've seen? Because you've been a part of championship teams, right? And so some of these buildups, uh, you, you've seen them play out in, in certain ways. What were some of the qualities those teams had that maybe, you know, you've been a part of some teams that haven't won it? What were the differences there um, amongst That's a, them? You know, yeah. That, and, and man, this is going to be such a general answer and you guys are both going to be like, really? <laughs> Uh, you know, seriously, I mean, the, the, the team's a collective approach to what the priority is and the priority needs to be winning. And then so when the priority is winning, everybody falls in line and says to themselves, I will do what I'm supposed to do to win, whatever that might be. 
I remember Jason Terry, you know, Jason Terry was our was one of the six men of the year. I think it wasn't 11. I think he won it the same year we, we won the championship. But here's a guy that could have started on probably 28 other teams. I don't know, 29. I don't. I have no idea. But but Jet was willing to, to come off the bench because coach felt like it was an important uh, offensive asset for our team. And without hesitation, he said, yeah, fine. That's fine, coach. Whatever. Um, role acceptance is part of that, right? So the second item is if you are quote unquote all in and yes, I want to win because that should be the very first question. Um, role acceptance has to, has to be a large component of it. I have to accept that I'm not going to touch the ball as much, or I have to accept that I'm going to play limited minutes, or I have to accept that um, somebody else is the leader, or I have to accept whatever it is that coach gives me and I'm going to accept and I'm going to do it to, to, to my best ability. Now, does that mean not having any internal discussion about it? Sure, that, that's got to take place because it takes a little time for that to iron out. I mean, one of the things we know about groups is when, you know, when we're, we're, we're forming, we're, we're norming, we're storming, and then we, perform, we go through into performing. And so it takes the group a little bit of time um, um, to, to kind of go through these things. And for me, that's the number one thing. You, you could look at skill sets um, and you could look at players with certain characteristics, but I always just want to ask myself and sometimes do ask the player, you know, is it about winning? And almost every one of them says to me, yes. And I say to them, well, then why is this happening? Or then why are we complaining about this? Or why are we showing up late? Or why are you not wanting to get back on defense? Or why are you cutting the drill short? I, I'm just asking the question. I, I, because I want them to hear themselves. They're, they're the ones that have said, this is what is important to me. So over the years, yes, I think, right, you have to have skill. Uh, that's without question. But to, and to, to really maximize what that skill and talent is, you, you have to have the winning has got to be the priority and, and role acceptance. Um, and I think when you have those two things, winning number is the first one. I think everything else starts to fall in line. I think you start to see the workouts that, that become better. I think you start to see the strength and conditioning. I think you start to see the ability of coaches to bring up um, inconsistent play, lack of skill deficiency without the, without the player um, going off edge because in their mind, that coach is coming to them to, to make them a better player, which puts them toward the goal of winning. And I, I think with that too, it's it's another thing that in as a staff member on the support staff, this actually surprised me the most coming in to working in professional sports and, and maybe it surprises some rookie players or second year players, but it's learning the process of becoming a professional. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. you and Mike Procopio really helped me understand what that is and the value of it. Maybe I didn't really see how valuable it was until I was actually in it. And I was wondering if you had any thoughts on that in, in terms of, in your, in your mind, what, what that entails of what is being a professional in your workplace every day. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's that process. And sometimes we don't get players there. Um, in my mind, it's, it's could be as simplistic as doing the things you're supposed to be doing to get to where you're trying to go. And so what is that, you know, how do you apply that in every little situation? Well, you know, am I, am I, am I here? And not, not to be mindful, but 
Am I present and am I here doing my lift that I'm supposed to be doing for our strength coach? Am I here and am I present going through the drill? Am I here and am I present when we're going through a film session? Am I here and am I present when somebody calls me to a meeting? Um, am, am, I, am I here and am I present when somebody hands something to me and I go, hey, I appreciate it, thank you. That's for me what, what being a pro, pro is is you're, you're constantly aware of what you're doing and where you're trying to go. And nothing is so big that you forget that. A great example of this is Jason Kidd. Jason was uh, my seatmate on the plane when he played with the Mavericks. And, and so can you imagine I, I got to pick a Hall of Famer's brain <laughs> not only every day, every day, but because he flew next to me, he, was, you know, he couldn't escape. And so, um, one day him and I were just chatting and, uh, I, I remember we were playing, we were playing a game in Sacramento, I believe it was. And something struck me. So here we are, we're battling it out. The game's just going nuts. And Rick calls a t- coach. Carlisle calls a timeout. We come to the bench and the water person hands a cup of water to Jason and he turns and he looks at him. He goes, thank, thank you. I really appreciate it. He drinks the water. And and he goes on. And so we're on a plane. I said to him, I said, Jay, let me let me ask you a question. He's like, yeah. I said, I've watched you and all the time, like you never forget to say thank you. You never forget to ask, you know, hey, please. And I'm talking about we're in the heat of the battle. It's like, you know, uh, 17 seconds left to go in the game. The place is nuts. It's our ball. Coach just, you know, everybody's hyped up. We're getting ready to do it. And this guy is saying thank you to the water person. And so he said, he turned and he looked at me and he's like, well, why wouldn't I? And I just thought, wow. He's like, look, nothing is ever too important to remember what's going on. And, it, and, and, and I've never forgotten what he, how he said that. And then in watching him over time, you know, him, him playing more with us and him coaching and listening to players that have been around him, He's always taken that approach. So I thought to myself, golly, if a Hall of Fame candidate at the time, right, who could do this, why is it not easy for somebody else to do? Mm-hmm. And that's part part of being a pro, right? Okay, yeah, the game's going on. Yeah, it's really important. But guess what? You handed me that cup of water. That's really important. And I'm grateful. And thank you. And that's the tough thing. As you know, that's really tough for us to teach um, when these young right. players are coming in. Uh, and even some of the guys who, even some of the guys who've been around in the league and 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 come to our team, it's very very difficult to teach. Yeah, and it's it's funny on the just with the G League, you know, we get guys from New Orleans sometimes, and we get guys from Portland, sure. and you and they're usually NBA assignment roster players, and, and you can tell which organizations and both do a great job of this, but you know, on the bench when they get water, they're still saying thank you also. Like right. it's it's pretty interesting to see that that the whole no, it's process. phenomenal. I couldn't agree with you more. And, and I, I think that's a big thing, you know, coming from what you said, a, a Hall of Famer, and another Hall of Famer that I've heard talk about it is Steve Nash. I mean, he has interviews out there where he kind of mentions and echoes some of the same sentiment, and and I think that's part of the reason why those guys are where they are is just saying thank you, and also even more importantly, being on time to things or early is is just kind of epitomizes how they approach everything else they do. 
Mike, you know, there's there's no replacement for tr- treating people the way you want to be treated. And and sports just happens to be their jobs, it, right? It, there's, there's a reason why when we talk about Steve Nash, Jason Kidd, Dirk Nowitzki, Jason Terry, um, Sean, Sean Marion, and, and there's, you know, others for sure. These are the ones that just come to my head. There, there's a reason why they've been in winning programs. There's a reason why they're winners. And there's a reason why people want to be around them. Mm-hmm. Um, they and, and they just happen to be really good basketball players on top of it, right? Mm-hmm. That's just a, a, a skill set that, that that they have. But but those guys emulate those things. Nothing is more important than when Sean Marion walks into our locker room today and touches everybody and says, hey, what's up? Hey, good to see you. Hey, how's it going? He doesn't have to do that, right? But he does that because that's just who he is, and that's what he did when he when when he played the same way. So, yeah, I mean, you know, guys guys like like that are are, are they're fun to be around, and they bring others together and they lift other people up, and they're they're tremendously important uh, to to having winning programs. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a extreme value in people that can raise the level of a room. Oh, yeah. So, DK, how would you help a young athlete understand that they are in control of their journey? You know, the, the, the opportunity, and I'm sure you have, but I'll just walk through those steps just to be sure for me. But the opportunity mm-hmm. to ask myself the question as I look around my support system, who, who, are, who are the people not supporting me? Who is lifting me? Who's mm-hmm. challenging me? Who's helping me get to where I need to go? Because those are the people that I should have an ear. I, I would I would encourage young players who have a uh, a plethora of people around them telling you know one guy's having him you know hey you need to shoot more. One guy's telling you need to pass more. One guy's telling you hey you don't have to listen to the coach. One guy. I would encourage them to challenge those statements mm-hmm. because because that is the only way you're going to find really who people are there to lift you not support support for me is more of hey, my mike or packy twisted your ankle here let me help you i'm gonna support you but lifting you up would be after you turn your ankle me coming over and doing some exercises with you and then my my last question that i have for you is what in this whole in your life so far as as a professional in this space what's been your most um proud moment as a as a coach Probably with any athlete that I've had an ability to break through with them in a relationship, period. I've, I've, I've been very fortunate, and I've, I've learned this over time, that when you can stick around, you're going to experience different things. It doesn't necessarily mean you're good, but I've been very fortunate um, to win a World Series, be part of a World Series championship team with the Boston Red Sox, and I've been part of the world champion Dallas Mavericks. But the proudest component is having a win with a player in a relationship and, and being able to break some of the barriers to, to find a way where we've built trust, where that relationship has increased, where they now can open the door and start to learn. So there's been so many of them. I couldn't even, you know, I couldn't even pinpoint one because even the, you know, they happen, they happen daily. They happen with people. Mm-hmm that not only that I've worked with 
temporarily, but I've worked with for 10, 15, 20, and for some people, 30, 30 years to me that, that, and that's why I got into this. I mean, look at, I, I love to win. And if we're going to do tiddlywinks, I will choke you to get a win if that's what it takes. <laughs> um, and, and guess what? If I'm on a team with somebody and we're flipping tiddlywinks and I'm not the, the best player, I, I'm, I'm going to put the guy who's in front, who is the best player. Cause I want to win. But, um, that's always a product of something that's out of my control, right? I, I don't control our athletes. I don't control their abilities, but I do control how I can develop and build relationships from my standpoint. And so when I do get that breakthrough, man, that, that, that's such an, that's such an awesome feeling. I'm like, now, now I know why I continue to do this because that, that's what I'm here for. Finding a way to, to break through, to bridge that gap in the relationship and then have an ability to talk about whatever it is that they want to know from an expertise level that they think I have. Awesome. Love it. I don't have anything else, DK. Is there anything that maybe we didn't ask you that you wanted to share? Frankly, I don't know that I know enough that you could ask me more <laughs> of. I don't, is there? I was thinking you'd I give think, an answer like that. Yeah, I don't. I mean, seriously, I think we've. I was telling a story the other day, Mike. Uh, you'll you'll like this, and I I don't know if you've shared this with Packy or not. It's not a big deal, but so somebody called me from the NBA, and they just they just were hired as the director of player development. And, uh, you know, with the COVID going on and really having a difficulty connecting with the players and they wanted to do all these, all these interesting and fun things to do. And so they said, Hey, is there any way I could chat with you? I'm like, yeah, sure. So we're talking. And he says to me, you know, I'm just kind of like, you know, should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? Should I be doing this? And, and I told him, I said, I, I'm not joking you. When I tell you the story, I said, you know, you know, Mike Franco, right? And they're like, yeah, I know who he is. I said, well, when we hired Mike, you know, we sat down in my office, he got all moved in and, you know, here's a, here's a young guy who's got tremendous passion, um, very knowledgeable, uh, loves the game of basketball, everything that I didn't have. And I said, you know, I'm just so fired up that this, this guy is here in our organization. Like he is really going to make a change because he's all about that. And he's sitting there, he's got his computer, uh, he's got his notepad out and I got my feet up on the desk. And I know that this young kid <laughs> is looking at me going, Oh boy, you're like, what, what am I getting into here? You know, here I'm thinking this guy is going to help me out. And so I said, all right, Franco, here's what I need you to do. In the next six months, this is what I want you to do. Build relationships. And Mike kind of looks at me and, you know, jots it down, build relationships or whatever you wrote down. And, <laughs> and he goes, okay, what else? And I'm like, that's it. And he looked at me with a smile and I, and I said, no, I'm being dead serious with you. I don't care what you know. I don't want to see any handouts. I don't want to see any flyers. I don't want to do, you don't need to do any one-on-one -on -one group meetings, build relationships. Because if you can build relationships, then you will become an expert. And, uh, you know, that, and, and because we want people to know, hey, we, we know what the hell we're talking about. And so we yeah, find I can ourselves, do this, you know? right? Yeah, yeah, I can do this. Listen to me, watch me, you know, that type <laughs> of thing. Look at, I did the same thing too. And then started to realize after some time that, you know, I'm not gaining any fans here. I'm losing people as, as we're going. So, uh, no, the, it, the art is the knowing it's actually not about you. Um, and, and understanding, yeah. you know, how do you meet them where they are? Like, what is this guy going through and what does he actually need right now? You know, sometimes a guy's coming in and, um, he's getting beat down, right? His, his confidence is low. Oh, I need to give him a, like, this needs to be a confidence building workout, right? He needs to get his feet back under him a little bit and see that he can do this. Um, and so my whole plan of what I wanted to do, 
because I want, you know, like goes out the window. So it's, it's meeting them where they are and understanding, okay, this is, this is what he needs. It's not about me. Man. So, so true, dude. And how many times does that not happen though? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Guys walk in and especially as they get older, look, I, I, you know, and I, and I agree. I, I see that, you know, young kids, they got a lot of stuff going on. I'm just, just on life alone. And then you add, you know, financial situation and children and, and, you know, here you are a coach and you got this workout ready for them. And, and just like you said, gosh, that's so true. The player walks in and they're in a bad way. And then you're just trying to force this working out of them. They're like, no, this, yeah. this ain't happening, coach. This ain't happening. But yeah. until you learn the feel of it, that to me is right when you really start to excel as a, as a young coach. And, and it just takes, I don't know what that time is. I know it took a long time for me. I think literally it was four years that I finally figured out like, dude, you better st- slow your roll because uh, this, this isn't going anywhere. And so yeah. I, I just, it's a long I hate season. To admit, yeah, it, it is. Uh, but I hate to admit it. I mean, I, I literally, oh, I think I just literally just threw all, all my shit out the window and just said, <laughs> okay, th- th- this ain't working this way. Let me, you know, let me, tr- let me try this strategy. Cause one of the things that I, I feel that one of my strengths are is I'm, I'm really good with connecting with people. And so I said, let me just, let me throw out all the quote unquote expertise shit that I think that they need to learn. And I'm just going to, when someone, I'm not even going to talk about that until somebody does. And I just left it alone. And then I started to learn that, wow, you know, I was, building relationships with these guys and hearing them say more like, well, how could you help me with this DK? Or, well, what would you do? And I was like, holy cow. Like that's the, like, like to me, that's the whole goal. They're, they're coming to us, right. For skill training, the players coming to you and saying, make me better at this. That's what we want. We don't want to walk around with a sign that says I can make you better because they're going (laughs) to be like, I don't give a shit what you can do because I'm good as it is now. Thanks again for listening to our show, and thank you again to DK for sharing some great stories and knowledge. And and really what stuck stuck out to me was how he defined professionalism. And oftentimes I think that can be overlooked and just really learning what being a pro means and how you treat others with respect no matter what's going on goes a long way. And it's a huge separator that's fully in everyone's control. And I like hearing how he builds relationships to connect with players. He allows it to happen organically. He doesn't force anything. As a player development guy, that's one thing that I really take away because you can't want it for them. This is something that people have to want for themselves. And he's really figured out how to do that and let it happen organically and naturally. And it's really cool to see. Our show was produced by Ellie Lieberman and Bianca Turner. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Mental Buckets, at Pat Turn with three T's, and at UPB Training. A special thank you to Bennett Christensen for the beat and Jordan Jimenez for the sound engineering.